Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, we've got a, uh, a great show lined up today, but before we get into that, uh, the Olympics are, yeah, are here. about to get started, so that'll be exciting. I, I don't know if you watch, uh, you know, if that's something that you enjoy or not. I, I, I enjoy some of the, um, uh, I, I enjoy the summertime probably more than the wintertime, but they have um, curling. Yeah. Going. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. It's it's interesting to watch. I bet you it's a lot of fun to play. Probably probably is, and uh, it's you know a lot of strategy in there. It's amazing how they can move the um, I guess the little pucks with yeah uh, warming up the ice. I don't know exactly how they do it, but it's well, uh, well. The nice thing about Olympics is we have sports on pretty much all the time for a period. That's right. That's right. And uh, obviously we have tax season. Uh, a lot of people are asking questions about taxes, and actually one of our articles is about that. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But fun stuff. Yeah, and it's cold outside. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Are you playing golf? Do you play golf in the winter? Uh, only on the warmer days. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> Which, it when it when the ball flight's not going and it's yeah. just too cold to go outside. I stay inside. <laughs> yeah, and it's been cold. I mean, January's been a cold month, but we're in February. So Starts to transition a little bit towards the end of the month, so uh, that'll be good. Anyway, we've got a we've got a great show lined up today. We've got um, some uh, tax information on the second half. But Ryan, what's uh, t- tell us about the first half? Yeah, January was an interesting month for the stock market. So <laughs> we're going to talk about two things to do when the stock market gets a little crazy for you. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, the the it's certainly a lot of volatility, um, a lot of conversations with with clients. Stick around for that. It's a great conversation. And then we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about a little bit of tax strategy. Uh, things that you can do in your situation to make sure that you you don't mess up. And there's five common things that we do see people making some mistakes on. So you want to uh, stick around for that and uh, take some notes. Um, and by the way, I'm John Travis. I am a uh, Dave Ramsey certified coach. I have an MBA in finance and have over 29 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner and Ramsey Smartvestor Pro. Yeah, we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Uh, we're up every single Friday morning. So uh, go check out our website, moneymd.net, uh, or you can get the uh, the um, podcast off of iTunes. And I had a, a client uh, asking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and uh, she was asking if we had any uh, previous shows on that. And we do. If you go out to the website, moneymd.net, and you uh, there's a, a button on the right-hand side that says listen online, and we actually have them categorized you know, college savings, uh, crashes in the market, you know, Bitcoin, things like that. So you can go yeah. check it out and, and listen to the to, to past shows. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, MoneyMD. Uh, actually, it's on MoneyMD, and I'm doing the prescription this week. So uh, go check that out on Facebook. So uh, we're going to start off the uh, show today with the uh, financial fact of the week. Yeah, so listen to this. So uh, it's no surprise, uh, cars are in demand. So the price of new vehicles increased 11.8% in 2021. And that's dwarfed by 37.3% increase in the price of used cars and trucks uh, last year. So cars are very expensive right now. A lot of it's the chip shortage. Yes. So supply and demand is, is doing its work. Yeah, I think, I mean, the price of a new car, you know, going up 12% scares people off. Um, and then there's a shortage. So then they go to the uh, used cars. And that's just incredible. I, I'm involved in a, um, a car ministry over it in Axe. Um, in uh, Aiken, and we we actually will give cars away to folks that have jobs but are needing transportation, and we're having a hard time finding vehicles. Yeah. Uh, we actually have someone on our team that is um, in the used car business, and uh, it's just difficult. And uh, we did a, a segment on that a couple of weeks ago, 
on buying used cars. Just you got to be careful. Uh, maybe this is not the right time if yeah. you can wait. You know, a couple months, maybe at the end, of, towards the end of the year, it'll start to uh, clear up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just so. do the maintenance and try to hold on yeah. for a little while and, yeah. and see if you can hold off a few years, maybe. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, uh, so we're going to switch gears here. Our first topic is the two things to do uh, when the stock market gets uh, crazy. And, and January was a crazy month. Um, you know, we, we have some stats that we'll share with you, but uh, one of them is don't panic, right? Yeah, yeah, don't <laughs> don't panic. Yeah, so I mean, for more than, you know, a year, it seemed as if the stock market could only go up. You know, it was uh, buoyed by a river of money that gushed from the government. Um, but in January, that illusion kind of been a little shattered, Yeah, John. just a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, grow, growing certainty that the Federal Reserve intends to raise interest rates uh, and a lot of people are thinking probably March is when that's going to start. So it's an investor scurrying. Um, and so the Dow Jones Industrial Average moved 1,000 points in a single day twice in January. So some pretty big movements. It sank more than 3%, then roared back up uh, to close out a gain. So stocks gyrated the rest of the week. Um, that was a few weeks back with the S&P being down uh, as far as 9% in January. And the NASDAQ uh, 100 index off more than 14% in January. So some pretty big movement there. But what happens next isn't the right question to ask, okay? So in a speech in 1963, the great investment analyst Benjamin Graham said, in my nearly 50 years of experience on Wall Street, I found that I know less and less about what the stock market is going to do, but I know more and more about what investors ought to do. Uh, that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Um, and here, you ought to do two things, okay? First... Put the market recent fluctuations in the long-term perspective. We yep. talk about that a lot, right? Yep. Um, then you want to recognize that what kind of, that what kind of an investor you are matters more than which investments you own. Yeah, yeah. The emotions you got to control the emotions, and and really, there's nothing really abnormal about the way the stocks yeah. uh, have been heaving up and down the past couple of weeks. I mean, um, you know, it's really the calm of last year when you look at 2021. I mean, the stocks rose almost 28%, but fluctuated with about two-thirds uh, of their usual volatility. And so that piece was the abnormal mm -hmm. piece of this. So two factors really you know, had kept stocks rising smoothly until January, and that was the you know, government policy and investment uh, automation. And so if you look at the Federal Reserve, they've had a you know, low interest rate stance in 2021, you know, trillions of dollars of stimulus spending in people's pockets. And it really inundated the markets with cheap money, and that that drove stocks up. So, you know, whenever declines get steep, you know, there's a lot of um, you know financial advisors and retirement funds um, that are sending in money, and uh, there's automatic buy orders uh, that mechanically purchase stocks as they fall below a, a target level. So, you know, that that's kept stocks from falling too far. But still, I mean, if you look at the S and P 500 and uh, the Nasdaq, I mean, they were down I think six and nine percent respectively you know, for the entire month. So it was very difficult. Yeah. You know, and such smoothness can breed complacency. So we go through these long uh, regimes of normal to low volatility. Uh, this is from Joan, Joanne Hill, a head of research strategy at CBOE, Vest Financial and Investment Advisory Firm in Virginia. And then you have these spurts of the market storm of market storms that uh, come through. So we've seen this over and over again. Um, and what is sometimes called risk compensation uh, you would likely drive faster down a hairpin turn off of a mountain road if it had sturdy guardrails um, rather than if you would, you know, if there was nothing there. So mm -hmm. People tend to drive a little safer when there's no guardrails there. Uh, the sense that the environment is safe is safer can make you uh, more comfortable with the greater risk. 
Um, by last year, the buyers of biotechnology, electric vehicle, and other green energy stocks, also don't forget cryptocurrencies last year, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and other hot assets had concluded that the future growth would be so great, it was almost impossible to overpay for them, right? Uh, with so many of these stocks selling at 100 times their, value, their expected earnings or not yet having any profits, the prospect of an end to the Federal Reserve's easy money uh, policy hit hard uh, last month. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at the the Nasdaq down nine percent. I mean, there are a lot of stocks and segments that were down, you know, fifteen, twenty, yeah. uh, you know, thirty percent because they had been run up so much. And, and you know, if you look at at history, um, you know, the S and P five hundred has closed down uh, at least one percent for for the day four hundred and forty eight times since Jeez. the beginning of two thousand eight. Uh-huh. That's according to Dow Jones market data. And in twenty twenty, stocks incurred daily losses of at least 1% 45 times. And on five of those occasions, stocks dropped more than 5%. So again, when we say that what, what went on in January, it's never comfortable. But it, if you look back at history, I mean, it, this is how the market works. I yeah. mean, it doesn't always just go up. So, you know, chances are, you know, if you look look back to 2008 or even 2020, you, you probably barely remember those declines. Uh, investors are exceptionally adept at retroactively re- revising their memories. I mean, no one likes to admit fear or feeling foolish or incompetent. Um, so what was terrifying then becomes not so bad now. So that's why it's important to understand who you are as an investor. And this is really important when we talk to folks about you know risk and risk questionnaires. It's figuring out, hey, what, what can you stand with the market? Yeah. And I mean, can you, I guess, when we had a drop in 2012, right? I mean, do you remember any... No, I mean, I, I I'm certainly attuned to it because I we look at it daily and so forth. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were there I do remember one just because it was um, when the uh, credit status of the United States in August of 2011 went from a triple A to a double A. Okay. So I mean, I, I personally remember those, but it's more from a a knowledge and understanding. But most investors would not have remembered that. Yeah, I was just trying to think back because I was like, yeah, there's a lot I don't remember some of the big oh absolutely, dips. and it's just so many. You, yeah, just now, you know, you're always thinking now. Yeah, and so that's right. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Um, so the next is you know falling markets set up a battle between your present self and your future self. So in 2022, your present self may be suffering anxiety and stress as you watch the gains dissipate. Um, will you lose even more in the days and weeks to come? You know, stocks keep lurching down. Maybe we're gonna have a down year. Who knows? Um, our distant future selves feel like a different people from who we are now, says Hal uh, Hurstfield, a behavioral scientist at the University of California, uh, who studies how time affects people's decisions. It can become especially difficult to keep those distant selves in mind when there's so many uh, emotions in the present um, in the form of temptation and fear. Investors should care about the levels of wealth, how much money they have, instead of caring you know, about the changes in their wealth, how much they've just made or lost. Yeah, and that's a really good, you know, that's a really good statement because people now are comparing their balances to the high, which was mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And, you know, I mean, that's after three phenomenal years in the market. So um, I like that a lot. You know, look at the level of wealth and look at your plan because we, when we do planning, we, we expect there to be negative periods. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I, I get caught up in that sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, I gained this much. You yeah. know, oh, I lost that much. It's like, no, what, what do I actually have? That's and right. That's a great point. So, yeah. you know, how happy would it be if you had a million dollars today? It depends largely on whether you said, you, you know, you had a hundred thousand or 1.9 million last week. Um, if you just made 900,000, <laughs> having 1 million is thrilling, yeah, right? You're celebrating. <laughs> But if you just lost nine hundred thousand, 
having the same one million will kind of turn your stomach. Yeah. That, <laughs> so that's only natural for people. Yeah, that puts it in perspective a little bit. And so so you, you really got to imagine your future self. Looking back, um, you know, today, 10 years, 20 years in the future, are you going to remember the fear that you felt in, in uh, January of 2022? Probably not. Uh, you know, when you buy or sell stocks based on short-term market turmoil, the person you're you're trading with is your future self. And remember, in every trade, uh, there's a winner and loser. So if you're out there selling in January, there's someone on the other side that's buying that transaction. Yeah. You got to remember that. So, um, you know, if you have decades or more, you know, investing ahead, then your future self is likely to uh, to be frustrated. Uh, or you could even be material impaired by the rash moves that you make now. So don't do that. And if you're retired or about to retire, um, you know, you got to make sure that you have, you know, the right setup in your portfolio. I mean, most most of our retirees have 30 to 50 percent in, in bonds, which allows them to, to pull money from from that conservative bucket over time. So um, just, you know, you, you got to just kind of step back and don't let your emotions take over. Yeah. So when you convey money from your present self to your future self, it's a road of several hundred miles long, full of potholes and icy patches and mountain passes. So this is from investor uh, William Bernstein. Um, and so you can easily skid off the road unless you drive very slowly and carefully. Um, he adds, it's better to be too conservative and end up with a few dollars less uh, than an overestimate of your tolerance for risk and end up panicking and selling at the bottom, which is kind of the worst thing you can do, mm -hmm. right? We've talked about that. Bearing your future self in mind also means you have to embrace uncertainty. Yeah, and so, you know, looking at the uh, the current market, um, you know, some people would say that the stock market is, is expensive. Some people would say it's cheap. Um, yeah, it really depends on what you're looking at. In the market, I mean, the S&P 500 right now, the P ratio price to earnings is about 20. It is a little bit above historical, which is, you know, in the 16 to 17 range. But there's some asset classes like growth that are still up in the, you know, 30s or 40s and some stocks that are in the, you know, hundreds. And so the, the market is is very broad um, and you just got to be very careful. I mean, if you had not been in the market over the last 30 years, you would have abandoned um, about an 11% annual return over those three decades. So, you know, markets go up, markets go down. We, we know that. About 25% of the time, they are down. You know, what you do during those down periods really dictates what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, so one reason stocks tend to have a higher return over the long run is it's really compensating for the short-term risk of it. So the prerequisite for being a long-term investor is knowing whether you can accept the uncertainty. Yeah, that's great. So uh, yeah, January was um, when you get your statements, um, whether it's with us or whoever, um, our, our portfolio was held up pretty well um, compared to the averages. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a down month. And, and uh, this question of the week really goes right into, hey, what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. So I'll let you uh, take care of that one. Yeah. So the question this week is, what are some steps I can take during this downturn? So, you know, one thing we always tell clients is, hey, you know, Roth conversion is always a good time. Your share, you can buy more shares when it's down. We've talked about that. Um, you can do an allocation change to more aggressive. So you can sell some bonds and buy some more stocks. Um, and you can add money. If you have some cash you've been thinking about investing, it's another great thing to do uh, during during this downturn. Yeah, I mean, so we've had a lot of clients adding money during January, a lot of Roth conversions. You're basically taking something that's down from an IRA and pushing it over into the Roth. So when it goes up, it's going to go up in Roth money, which is after tax. So view these downturns just as opportunities. I mean, they really are. We, no one can tell you when the markets are going to turn around 
Um, if you're in retirement again, you, you know, and you don't have any excess cash to put in, you know, the process is, is distribute from the bond side and, uh, leave the stocks alone while they're down. And that's worked historically. Yeah. And this goes back to just following the plan and understanding your plan. So if you haven't looked at that in a while, it might be a good time for review to just make sure you understand the plan and know, Hey, do I have negative years incorporated into my plan? Yeah. Good point. Uh, and so, yeah, it's always good to look at that too. Awesome. Very good. Well, we're going to switch gears here and uh, go into the tax world. I know everybody's excited, oh, <laughs> excited about taxes. Yeah, it's that time of the year. And um, this is an article from uh, Charles Schwab um, on tax strategy. And um, yeah, you would, I can't believe this, but the the, the tax foundation, nonpartisan tax foundation, um, put the number of words in today's tax code at almost eight million words. Oh my gosh! Isn't that amazing? Oh my goodness! That is uh, that's truly a lot. So no wonder it's it's hard to 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 follow all the ins and the outs, and you know taxes affect nearly every part of our financial lives. Um, you know it's no surprise that there are some slip ups that we see that can have a major impact on how much tax that you owe, and consequently how much of your income you get to keep. So here are um, five common tax planning missteps that we see and and how to avoid them. And number one is. It's just sticking with the default 401k option. So if you're participating in a 401k um, from your employer, um, you know, you're allowed to make the pre-tax contributions uh, that reduce your taxable income dollar for dollar. And the immediate tax benefit of such contributions is appealing because that means you have more money in your pocket. Um, but it may not be the best option for your situation. Yeah. Enter the Roth 401k. Yes, that's a good there one. There we go. Yeah. So what you fund with after-tax dollars, meaning there's no immediate tax benefit when you contribute, but which offers tax-free growth and tax-free withdrawals in retirement. According to the plan sponsor, Council of America, roughly 70% of uh, employers offer the Roth 401k option, yet just only 18% of workers contribute to them. That so surprised me. That's a that, really that low really percentage. Low. But uh, you know, I've talked to family and friends, and yeah, they, 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 they sometimes don't yeah. realize they have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So um, a trend Hayden attributes to behavioral tendencies known as just status quo bias. Um, when a traditional 401k or similar accounts uh, is the default option, it's hard to just overcome inertia and make a change. Yeah. And so Roth accounts tend to be best for those who believe their current income tax rate is lower than it will be when they're ready to take the withdrawals. And, and obviously no one knows that, but younger wor workers you know, typically have a, a lower income than where they will be you know, in 30 years. Uh, however, even higher earning individuals who want you know, tax flexibility in retirement may want to consider a Roth since it's a hedge against potentially higher future tax rates. And I can tell you when we're doing tax planning for retirees, if they don't have a Roth you know, account or any type of money, whatever they pull out is going to be taxable. And then whatever the tax brackets are is what you're going to pay. So yeah. if you have some Roth money in there, uh, you, can, you can keep your tax um, a marginal rate or effective rate, very, very low. So I would consider for most people, do some Roth in your 401k. That's a good option. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And the, I'm sorry, the, the, the misstep number two is um, letting taxes eat into your return. So uh, every dollar lost to taxes is one that you can't spend, obviously, or reinvest for potential growth. So you got to make sure you have tax efficient um, accounts. And this is really, we're really talking about brokerage accounts here because, you know, th that can have a huge impact on your after-tax returns. As an example, this year, there were a lot of um, capital gain distributions from funds. I mean, and, and we're not talking about a small amount. We're talking about 5 to 10%. And so if you had a, a million-dollar account, then you're going to have a distribution of 50000 to 100000 that you're going to have to pay taxes on. So 
you know, one rule of thumb is to hold investments that pay a lot of interest or non-qualified dividends, which are taxed at ordinary income rates in, in tax-deferred accounts like 401ks and IRAs, uh, where you won't pay taxes until you start making the withdrawals. You know, assets that tend to lose less um, of their returns to taxes make sense for taxable accounts, such as your regular brokerage account. Uh, these investments include exchange-traded funds, tax-managed mutual funds, which trigger relatively few taxable distributions to shareholders. Um, and municipal bonds, whose income is generally tax-free at the federal level and for in-state residents. Yeah, one of the things we like to do is when someone has two accounts, an IRA and a Roth, we like to be a little bit more aggressive in the yeah. Roth, you know, because if you're going to grow your money at a certain percentage, you want the, the higher percentage to be on that Roth money because it's after taxes. Yeah. So that's a, that's a pretty cool strategy. Another thing to, to keep in mind is that gains on these stock-based investments held in a in a brokerage account, um, they're taxed differently. So if you own an investment for you know at least a year and a day, then any gains will be taxed at a long-term capital gains rate. And you know if you're below a married couple below one hundred ten thousand, that's zero. You pay no taxes if you're under one hundred ten thousand on long-term capital gains. So that's a pretty unique opportunity in there. And then it can go as high as twenty percent. Most people are at fifteen percent. Uh, if you hold it for less than a year, then you're going to be taxed at your um, your income tax rate. So uh, you got to be careful, you know, buying and selling individual stocks or mutual funds. There's different tax outcomes for each one. Yeah. So misstep number three is having too much tax withheld from your paycheck. I see this one a lot. So and, it, and it's kind of kind of tricky to figure that out. Um, according to the IRS data, nearly three quarters of Americans received tax refunds in 2019. Uh, with the average refund totaling just over $3,000. So a decent amount of money there. Uh, many taxpayers appreciate receiving the windfall each spring, but having too much tax withheld from your paychecks is like giving the U.S. government an interest-free loan until you receive your refund. Um, there's an opportunity cost that comes from withholding too much in taxes. Um, Hayden says uh, you could have been investing those dollars for potential you know, growth rather than letting them sit stagnant in the government coffers. Yeah, because the government's not giving you anything. Right. So yeah, in a perfect world, your you're withholding amount would equal your tax liability for the year, uh, resulting in a, in a small tax bill or a small refund. It's, it's hard to get it exactly right. And honestly, the IRS tax withholder estimator is not real, um, it's not real good. <laughs> It's tough. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've looked at it. I mean, the ideal situation is to tell your employer, hey, I want to hold, you know, 15% or 17%, whatever the number is. Some people can do that. Some people can't. But just be uh, be careful with um, getting too much of a refund. Try to use that through the year to, to meet your goals. Uh, misstep number four is mishandling your retirement distributions. And this is a big deal. I mean, fair, failing to take the IRS-mandated uh, required minimum distribution, also knows, known as an RMD, um, that starts at age 72, it can result in a 50% penalty on Ouch. the difference uh, Yeah, between what you should have taken and what you did. So as an example, let's say you have a uh, million-dollar IRA and you should have taken 40000 out. Well, half of 40000 is a $20,000 penalty. So, ouch, 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 ouch. Yeah, no, we do that calculation for our clients and manage that process. But um, you know, there's some lesser-known hazard that lies in withdrawing assets from your taxable, tax-deferred, and Roth accounts. Um, for example, because you've already paid taxes on Roth contributions, the longer you wait to withdraw those funds, the, the longer you know those securities have to uh, earn back from a tax hit. So you know when you start pulling money out of your accounts, um, you want to make sure that you're maximizing the tax efficiency. And uh, RMDs, you got to take those into account if you're still in the 12% bracket. 
you want to take a look at that. So there's a, an order that, you know, it's really specific for each person that you want to make sure that you're withdrawing from the right bucket. And you could end up paying, a, a, you know, quite a bit more in taxes if you don't draw down your savings in the most tax efficient manner. So make sure you, you handle those distributions, not only the RMD, but also the order as well. So yeah, misstep number five is delaying taxes. Um, when it comes to paying taxes on investment gains, common wisdom is to delay as long as possible. But with today's tax rates uh, near historic lows, realizing gains sooner might actually be a better way uh, to go for in some situations. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 reduced taxes for many people. Um, but with those provisions set to expire after 2025, you may want to consider some tax strategies that allow you to capitalize on the lower tax rates while they're still around. Yeah. And so example, converting some or all of your traditional IRA assets to a Roth IRA, also known as a Roth conversion and, and paying that tax bill, um, you know, could could be a di- good deal. I mean, you're locking in today's tax rate. So if you can do that in the 12% bracket, um, it allows you to, to lower the, the taxes um, overall and in the future. And once you reach age 59 and a half, the withdrawals um, in the Roth are completely tax-free. So assets in a traditional IRA are subject to the unknown future tax law. So you know, a Roth account gives you some insurance that you don't have to worry about that anymore. So we're big believers in doing Roth conversions. It has to make sense for the individual, and there's some specifics on that. Um, but today's long-term capital gain rates are also at historic lows. So if you have a sizable, unrealized gain in your portfolio, you may want to consider, you know, strategically selling some of those to take advantage of today's rates, um, also known as tax gain harvesting. Yeah, so with tax gain harvesting, you sell some winning investments and recognize the gains today, potentially at a lower tax rate or no tax at all. Um, for example, say you are currently have more losses than gains for the uh, for the year, rather than carrying forward uh, the un, uh, uh, unused losses, you could realize the equivalent amount in gains this year, which would effectively zero out the taxes you would otherwise owe on those gains. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have unrealized gains as well, um, you can also, we see people you know, using donor advice funds. And so they're, they're putting it into an account, they're getting the, the uh, tax break on it, and they're also not having to pay um, that, that, that gain associated with it. So there's some pretty cool strategies from a tax standpoint. Uh, I would certainly would recommend that you, um, you talk with a CPA in these areas or your tax provider. Uh, obviously, they're the experts that do this on a daily basis, but I, I know uh, Ryan and I and, and the other advisors here, we spend a lot of time in, in thinking about taxes, trying to save taxes today, but also looking ahead a little bit into the future. My, my gut feel is, is that tax rates are going to rise in the yeah. future. Um, you know, so you know, doing some Roth conversions today is, is probably going to be beneficial long term. But again, uh, go, go talk to your tax provider on some of these areas. And if you have any questions, you can certainly reach out to us and uh, we'll be more than happy to take a look at your situation. Yeah, great article. Yeah, that was good. And so we're going to wrap up the show here with the uh, prescription of the week, and um, I'll cover this. I got this from a, a, a client who um, she sends me these emails um, just kind of for informational purposes, and um, it's interesting because um, she, you know she gets a lot of these. I do too as well, and I, I generally don't click and uh, sign up for these, but I did on this one because I wanted to see what it was. But people that sell, companies that sell or promote fear and panic in the stock market or, or with the government are typically selling a product. Yes. I mean, that's what it boils down to. So if they have newsletters that you can sign up to and they have some unreal you know, research or whatever, 
they're typically selling a product. So this one was really interesting. This was um, uh, ordering a uh, bank failure survival kit. So mm. I, uh, it's about a six-page uh, email. Some of the wording is top U.S. banks have altered their deposit terms to require you to respond within 24 hours uh. to unfreeze certain accounts to receive FDIC insurance in the event of a bank failure. Goes on to list Chase and City and Bank of America, and um, it basically says, um, you know, that if you're if you're if you don't act and get this kit, that you know the government's going to come in and 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 take your money, and the banks are going to not have to give you the money. So anyway, I went through this. I ordered the bank failure survival kit, and guess what they're selling? I wonder what gold and silver, <laughs> um, gold IRAs and silver IRAs, and. Uh, it's just amazing how they mask um, because they don't talk about gold or silver in the email at all. You have to click on this. And so I, I followed through with it and, and got to the end of the, it was a very long website that they took me to and it was, it was gold and silver. And just, I'll tell you that um, having some gold and silver in your portfolio is, is okay. Um, you know, Dave Ramsey is not a fan of gold and silver. I'll just tell you the returns. I looked them up the last 15 years. Uh, gold has made uh, a little bit over 6%. Silver is made um, about three percent per year, and the S and P five hundred is made about ten percent. So, if you if you look out historically, gold and silver um, they can do okay during difficult times. Um, but this includes two thousand and eight, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, yeah. the huge downturn in two thousand eight and the other bear markets that we've had. So, if you want to put a little bit in your portfolio, that's fine. Um, we would not recommend more than you know, five to 7% for each one of those. We don't have them in the portfolio just because the trade-off between risk and return has not been really good yeah. historically. So the takeaway from this is, is, you know, when someone's selling fear or panic, they're selling a product. It's typically what we see is gold or silver. There could be some other things in there, but um, just just don't fall for that. I mean, the, I've seen these uh, during my 15 years here. I mean, there's always something coming out. Someone's trying to Pitch a new one. the the uh, uh, the the bank failure survival kit is a new one. So yeah, uh, I appreciate <laughs> my client sending me that. She keeps me up up to speed on some of the things that are out there. So I just love the stinkiness of it. <laughs> yeah, I know it's amazing. It really is. So uh, that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Also check out our website moneymd.net. Send us your questions and give us a call at Richard Young Associates at seven zero six. Seven three nine zero seven two five. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great rest of the week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.